Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in episode 164, What's Right with Nick Wright. Ton to do today after a week off. Dior fresh off vacation to the Hamptons, prepping for her vacation Not to the Caribbean, off. then prepping from there for her uh, European cruise. So we are very lucky to have her today and Thursday because she is just going to be a world traveler. I'm going to be here Thursday. Until, yeah, of course you're going to be here Thursday. And so we're going to have her... Uh, today and Thursday, and then who knows, uh, you know, as she finishes off her summer, we have a ton to do. I wanted to go to Vegas this past weekend to see Summer League playing a World Series poker event. Ended up not doing that, but I know we are going to talk Summer League here in just a moment. Here is what did not make the show, not on today's show. Olivia Rodrigo, my one of my favorites, has released a new single called Vampire, also not have on you today's to show. It? I have not yet listened to it. It was sent to me, but I have not yet listened to it. Uh, Fur Fury, I almost said Furry, Tyson Fury and Nagano boxing in late October, and Joey Chestnut defeats the Elements to win, uh, I don't even know what it's called, championship, I guess, number 16. I, despite my very popular Joey Chestnut public defender from years ago, that's a great Photoshop our guys made, I am not a fan of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. I'm not a big fan of Joey Chestnut. Uh, people think I'm into it because I did such a brilliant job a year ago doing Nick Wright Public Defender for him. But we have much more important things to discuss. Diora, what are we starting with? Okay, so we got a mixed bag from Wimby early in the summer league on and off the court. Yeah. And now he is shut down for the rest of the summer. And he's avoiding the media for the next few months. A little concerning, right? When LeBron came into the league, he embraced the hype. Is Wimby showing signs that he isn't ready for the expectations? Well, no one would be ready for these expectations. Um, and they're unfair expectations. I don't care so much that he's not going to play the rest of summer league. That's not a big shocker. Uh, to me, and I'm also I also don't care that he's going to try to avoid the media for the next couple months to kind of reset and then get you know the last couple months of maybe privacy, and I don't even know if he's going to have privacy, but then he might have for the rest of his life. So I none of that bothers me, but on the court, don't say I didn't warn you. And there is this there was this so 
His first game ever in Summer League, he was objectively really bad offensively. Still made some nice defensive plays. His second game in Summer League, he was very objectively very good offensively and made some very nice defensive plays. But in the 48 hours between the two games, or 24 hours, 36 hours, whatever it was, yeah, it was 48 hours. There was a really weird thing that happened on the internet, which was the most clear-cut, obvious, straw man arguments being batted down by people in sports media. I, I couldn't go 30 minutes without seeing a tweet from someone one of my colleagues or someone in sports media saying, oh my God, oh, so now Wimby's a bust. A guy can't have one bad summer. No one. There was literally nobody that after the first game was like, look, he sucks. That take did not exist in nature, yet folks were demanding everyone calm down and not have that take that literally no one had. It was a really weird, like, Princess Bride style, I know what you know, what I know, what you know type of thing going on when it flatly wasn't going on. And what is true is that those of us who watched him, and it's not like I was watching a ton of French basketball, but consuming... I would say more than just the average basketball fan and those of us that followed him over the last 18 months, I think most of us were not shocked that offensively this young man is going to have a lot of work to do. He is not a knockdown shooter no matter how pretty the stroke looks and how good of a free throw shooter he is. He is a good ball handler, very good ball handler, great ball handler for someone his size. But still, at 7'5", if you're trying to dribble in traffic, you are going to have the ball taken from you somewhat. And he wants to play out on the perimeter, which can be devastating, but also is going to mean he's going to have some really rough offensive nights until and unless he, he starts to develop a consistent jump shot. None of that is shocking. None of that. Now, how bad he looked Friday night was a little surprising, but it's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. He hasn't played in a couple months. And then he bounced back with a great game Monday. But this was why I was begging people to accept the possibility that if this guy turns into a better version of Anthony Davis, a great defensive player who can be a 30-point-a-game guy at some point in his career, I begged people, and I will continue to, to not have that outcome be looked at as a failure. But... It's already, we are already past that because we had, 
who was it that said it? Uh, my, you know, a guy I like a lot, Kenny Smith, came out recently and said he's going to be league MVP within four years. That I don't see. Not saying it's impossible, but that is not a fair expectation. That it, it now. Shaq didn't win within four years, but Shaq was that level of player. But, and I screwed this up on the podcast a few weeks ago. Shaq played multiple years of college. Kareem obviously was MVP in year two. Kareem played four years of college. LeBron almost won MVP in year three. He's not LeBron. So, defensively, he is going to be instantly excellent because of his length and ability to alter shots. Offensively, if he is hanging out on the perimeter, he is going to have a lot of ups and downs. And if he is going to play down low, where his size would be its biggest edge, he's probably going to have to gain a little bit of weight. So I'm not out on Wimby. Nobody right now is out on the guy. But... Demanding he walk into the league and be a force is unrealistic, unfair, and you shouldn't have needed to see a couple games of Summer League to believe that. I get the upside, but a guy who's going to night in, night out, be more impactful on the offensive end is the kid who went number three. Scoot. Scoot, I believe, is going to win Rookie of the Year. Scoot, I believe, is going to play more games. Scoot, even though he suffered the kind of odd random shoulder injury, is going to be the healthier of them, certainly early on. And Scoot's upside, obviously, is not what Wimby's is. But in the short term... Scoot's game offensively will translate better and easier to the NBA. But it was so frustrating seeing these folks say, "Oh, I, you know, who's gonna be the one?" That was oh, that, that was the other thing. People were like, "Who's gonna be the hot take artist to come out and call Wimby a bust?" People were wanting these takes to exist that did not exist. But go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Okay. Um. <laughs> But there is, just for whatever it's worth, I wouldn't find it more ridiculous if someone came out and said, eh, I don't believe in him. I don't think he's going to be that good. I don't find that more ridiculous than the almost conventional wisdom take, which is he is the greatest prospect in the history of the sport. I don't agree with that. I think there are too many questions about what his offensive game will be and too many very fair concerns about his health because we have literally never seen a guy his size have a long, injury-free career. All right, next. So we missed a week of the, on this show, but luckily Damon Harden waited for us. The consensus is that Dame will land in Miami, and as of now, Harden has the best odds to land with the Clippers. Would either move really matter in the end, or would both teams still fall to the Nuggets or even your Lakers? Well, the Clip. Listen, I'm not sure Harden's leaving. 
I, Joel Embiid still wants him. Harden was at Michael Rubin's white party in the Hamptons that I assume you were as well, Diora. Um, it, hanging out with Embiid and Embiid, Harden, and Tobias Harris. I think Maxi as well. We're all there together. But if Harden were to go to the Clippers, I don't think that makes the Clippers contenders. I think the Clippers are a fake team with, despite you know as great as Ty Lue is because of Kawhi. I don't think they have a great basketball culture there and the injury concerns for them are the highest of anyone in the league so take that out of it dame is going to go to miami the number of people pulling against it is baffling to me and i've tried to talk about this on tv and i know it has made some people angry i i am not taking a shot here it is just, to me, an accurate and fair reading of what's going on. There seems to be a ton of folks on the other network that are reporting on this from the Blazers' perspective almost exclusively. What the Blazers want, what Miami would need to do, what other teams would need to do, the Blazers' position of power, all of this, which is fine, but it does warrant mentioning to the audience, and I'm not saying they haven't, but it. I think a lot of the audience doesn't know or doesn't remember that the number two at the Blazers, the guy beneath Joe Cronin, Mike Schmitz has been there for a year. Prior to that, he worked at ESPN for five years. So, of course, he has relationships there. Of course, he has friends there. And there are, so there is that kind of contingent. It's not all the folks there, to be clear, that to me are skewing what the public expects here. And then there are folks that either don't like the Heat or have a different favorite team in the Eastern Conference and don't want to see Miami get Dame, and they keep discussing this as if Miami's offer is terrible. Miami's offer, objectively speaking, is not terrible. You would. What's the best offer they can give right now? Their 2028 first-round pick. Their 2030 first-round pick, Jaime Jaquez Jr., who they just spent the number 18 pick on this year, so that's a first-round pick. Nikola Jovic, who they spent a very, I think the 30th, but a very late first-round pick on a year ago. Call that a half a first-round pick, but a guy who has played well in summer league, looks like he has upside. Tyler Hero, who I agree, Tyler Hero does not fit the Blazers, but he is worth on the open market himself, at least a first-round pick. You could potentially include Caleb Martin, probably going to be including Lowry for salary purposes, if not Lowry, Duncan Robinson. That That is not a terrible trade. It's not 125 cents on the dollar. It's certainly not the Gobert trade, but it's not a terrible trade. But here's the more important piece. It's the only god-dog trade there is right now. Boston is not trading Jalen Brown, 
And the Sixers thus far have been unwilling to move off Tyrese Maxey. So if there are no other trades, it is the best trade, even if it's not a great trade. Now, Joe Cronin came out this week and said, we're fine with this going on for months. I don't believe you. I do not believe there is any realistic chance that Damian Lillard is on the Portland Trail Blazers game one of the season. It, it, it is, they have too much of an opportunity to just give the keys to the car to Scoot, let it become his franchise. They're not going to have this Dame thing drag on. So I understand folks want Portland to have more leverage, and they actually do. But Dame's agent, Aaron Goodwin, has done a good job making it clear to other teams that Dame does not want to be there. Therefore, other teams have not given up their best offers. A team like Utah that people thought might be a real player in this has not been, and Utah doesn't have the open cap space anymore, so they'd have to match the salary, which is not that easy for them. The Spurs thing was always make-believe, in my opinion. Running out of teams. So... Minnesota's an interesting one. I said that on TV a couple weeks ago. Carl Anthony Towns and Dame. Uh, a flip-flop there. But it doesn't look like Minnesota is intrigued by that. So, I don't know. I think Harden might stay. And even if Harden goes to the Clippers, they're not a contender. But if Miami got Dame. Miami won the East this year without Tyler Hero. Without those future picks because they're future picks. And they would be adding Damian Lillard. Of course they'd be the favorites in the East. And absolutely they could beat Denver. And absolutely they could beat the Lakers with Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. That would be an excellent top three guys to go alongside the best coach in the league. All right, next. Dak Prescott is embracing his football mortality as he enters his age 30 campaign. He says there's 1,000% a sense of urgency to win the Super Bowl this year. Does anyone have more pressure than the Cowboys and Dak this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bills have the most pressure of anybody, in my opinion. But the Cowboys, having not even been to a conference championship game in almost 30 years now, and they moved on from Kellen Moore, and they, you know, they, a lot of, they, their ceiling for, you know, your entire life and then some, Diora, has been round two of the playoffs. Uh, but I actually like the spot the Cowboys are in. I talked about this with Cowherd on his podcast on the volume. Obviously, Philly and San Francisco are the two Vegas favorites in the NFC and deservedly so. However, Philly had massive trouble all year when they played real quarterbacks, and it is incredibly hard to go to back-to-back Super Bowls, and it is incredibly hard to overcome losing the Super Bowl. So just for the sake of argument, say Philly doesn't get back. The Niners have been playing this quarterback roulette for the last few years, They now have 
you know, Trey Lance has fallen totally out of favor, it would appear. Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. I don't care if he's with Kyle Shanahan. And then there's Purdy, who was good last year, but is coming off a major elbow surgery. Say the quarterback position is just too bad for them this year. If it's not the Niners or the Eagles, the Cowboys got to have the best shot of anybody in that conference. Seattle and Detroit were good stories and fun stories last year. Are either one of those quarterbacks going to duplicate what they did? There's no one in the NFC South that warrants believing in. I know Saints fans get mad at me, but there just isn't. The the Cardinals are not trying to win. The Rams are not going to be able to win. The Vikings defense is a train wreck, and they were incredibly fortunate last year to have the record they did, and they got exposed in the playoffs. It's not going to be that, like, the Giants were running out of teams. So I actually think I might believe in the Cowboys this year, even though I don't believe in the coach. Dak's fine. He's like the 11th best quarterback in football. That's fine. The smart money I get it is Eagles-Niners, and last year I was in on the Niners. But if it's not one of them, the Cowboys got to have the best chance of anybody. All right, last one. The quarterfinals at Wimbledon are underway. Time for Nick's ten- tennis corner. Who wins if it's Djokovic and Alcaraz? Good job. Um, so I picked Carlos Alcaraz before the tournament. I really liked what he did yesterday and dropping the first set and then storming back to victory. The draw is, it's not really like super favorable for either one of them the rest of the way. It's not like one of them has a way easier path. You could argue that uh, Djokovic has the slightly easier path, but in the quarters, Alcaraz is playing the six-seed rune, and Djokovic is playing the seven-seed Rublev. I think Rublev's probably a little better than Rune, but you call that a wash. And then you would think that in the semis, Alcaraz would play Medvedev because he's playing the unranked American Eubanks, uh, and that Djokovic would play center, Yannick center, because he's playing an unranked guy himself. So, But call that part a wash. It is. I think we're going to get Alcaraz, Djokovic, and I'm going to stick with Alcaraz, even though Djokovic right now to win the tournament is minus 200, and Alcaraz is 3-1. to one. Now, I did give you guys, if you remember, Medvedev as the long shot, and he's now still alive in the quarters. Here is what I actually want to talk about here. What I'm not a, you know, Djokovic, if you'd asked me 18 months ago, the greatest tennis player ever, I would have said Federer, then Nadal, then Djokovic. Djokovic continues to make a case, though, maybe the strongest case, that it might be him. So, Djokovic has won the last four Australian Opens that he has played in. 19, 20, 21, and 23. Now, that is not four consecutive because he did not play in 22 because he was not allowed into the country because of the vaccine stuff. Djokovic has won the last four Wimbledons he's played in. 
18, 19, 21, and 22. There wasn't a tournament in 20 because of COVID. So he has a chance to tie the all-time record for consecutive Wimbledon victories with a win in this one. He could tie Roy Emerson's record. The I, Hold on, let me check that, actually. Because how many Wimbledon... Can, is it four or five? I think it's wins streak record men's. I'm so I know so Borg won. Did Borg win five in a row? Sorry guys, I should have looked this up before the show. Oh Borg, when you do go to Borg Wiki, you get an actual like a Borg, not Bjorn Borg. Uh, how many Borg Bjorn Borg won Wimbledon? Yeah, five years in a row as did Federer. So that's the record. So he could tie that record with a win here. But what it would also mean for Novak is this. He has won the last four Australians he's played in. He's won the last four Wimbledons he's played in. He has won two of the last three French Opens he's played in, with the one loss coming in the quarters to Nadal. He has a chance for the single-season Grand Slam, which he almost won in 2021 when he won the first three majors and then the U.S. Open that year, he made it to the final but lost in straight sets to Medvedev. What he's in the midst of is an all-time run. And if he were to win this, it's really hard to not admit, even if you don't love him, and I don't love him, that he's probably the best ever. And the fact that he has racked all of this up is truly remarkable that he did it. He started his career during Federer's heyday and then had to go through Nadal's entire heyday and I understand he has gotten a lion's share of his majors not the majority but 10 of them in the Australian but 10 Australian three French sitting on seven Wimbledon three U.S. Opens it's also odd to me that he has been so successful at the Australian and not nearly as successful at the U.S. Open uh, but set that aside. So it's 23 majors. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Another 11 finals. An all-time, maybe the greatest career ever. It's weird because I just don't think he's better than Federer. But the numbers at this point are becoming undeniable. And he might have left a few majors on the table. Because in 2022... Couldn't? Go ahead. But couldn't Djokovic um, tie Fed for... What do you mean? For the most consecutive Wimbledons? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he would be doing. He'd be he'd be tying him, but I'm saying he wouldn't be breaking the record. Got it. Tying Federer and Bjorn Borg uh, if he wins this. Now, again, it is weird because it's not five years in a row, but it's because they didn't. the tournament didn't happen in 2020. For the Australian Open... 
he didn't participate in 2022, so he doesn't actually have that streak going. I'm simply saying he hasn't lost at the Australian Open since 2018. He hasn't lost at Wimbledon since 2017. And a chance for a single-season Grand Slam. With all that said, I'm rooting for Alcaraz. I hope the kid gets it. He won the U.S. Open last year. I hope he starts an unbelievable run. Quick break. Come back. Play. Uh, and he could also, that's the other thing he could tie Federer on. Sorry about that. Is most career Wimbledon victories. He Got could it. tie him for the most consecutives and the most career Wimbledon victories, which I think is what you were referring to. Come back. Play some Nick Stradamus, some public defender, and for any married people out there, I had an argument this morning that it would appear everyone has had. We discuss that next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Now I want to remind you guys, AG1 is the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it each morning, tastes great. All great athletes have one thing in common, they take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. So... Here's a question. CP3 is now a warrior. We'll see if he can fit in with Golden State, which leads us to the question today, which is, will the addition of CP3 support the overall health of the Warriors, the way AG1 delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health? Uh, I'm not sure. He had a very interesting answer when he was asked about coming off the bench, and he was like, are you the coach? And theoretically, the Chris Paul thing helps the Warriors. You can run an offense when Steph goes to the bench. He won't have to play nearly as much, so maybe he can be healthier come the postseason. He is an incredibly smart player. He's two years removed from leading the league in assists, three years removed from being the best player on a finalist. But this is a team he had a real rivalry with, and in his entire NBA career, he has started every single game. His entire college career, the only game he didn't start was when he was suspended first, punching Julius Hodge in the groin. Like, 
the personality part of this could be a tough one, but because he's an expiring contract, they he also could be a trade chip for later in the year. So I understand why they did it. They had to move off Jordan Poole. I'm not sure it works, though. Reminder, AG1 is a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients is another reason why I trust AG1 each and every day. I may not have all the answers, but if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash what's right. That's right with a W. That's drinkag1.com slash what's right. Check it out. All right, before we get to Nick Wright, public defender, should we talk about the toaster thing from this morning, Scoot? Sure. Okay. Do you want to set it up or should I? You can can set it up. So we, like everyone in America, basically have a toaster in the house. We use it basically every morning, either for Pop-Tarts or Deanna goes to summer camp and has a sandwich that's toasted. It is, if I am ranking kitchen appliances by use, Coffee Maker is the number one seed because it is used every single day without fail. Microwave is the two seed, and toaster is the three seed. And, not to, this is going to sound odd, we have a pretty big kitchen. There's a little island in the middle of it, there's two counters, there's two sinks. We have a nice-sized kitchen. Yet, what happens, Diora, every time someone uses the toaster? It's left on the counter, and Mom has a fit. It is left on the counter... Which is, I wouldn't even consider it being left on the counter. It is on the counter because that's where it goes. And your mother says, why won't anyone ever put the toaster away? So finally this morning, your little sister just made a fatal error and said what we all were thinking. Which was, mommy, why do we even have to put the toaster away? To which I then made an even more fatal error and said, Deanna, don't ask your mother that. And then I said the quiet part out loud, as they say, which is that's the type of thing you say to me and your sister when your mom's not around so we can laugh about your mom being crazy. And then she said, no one keeps toasters on the counter. It's not done. So I uh, tweeted, taking to Twitter for the pettiest reason imaginable. To win the silliest argument of my life. At your house, you keep the toaster. A, on the counter. B, in a drawer slash cabinet. 78% said in a counter. But what was more noteworthy was everyone seems to be having this same exact argument. This has been from Matt Oates. This has been a point of contention in my home. I kept it on the counter. Not only does my fiance keep it stored in a cabinet, but has a neat storage sleeve to put it in before storage. Uh, another person uh, writes, the on the counter, Paul Headley says, on the counter, though my wife tries to sneak it away whenever she can. Ali, 
Me, the counter. Wife, the cabinet. Result, wife wins every time. Uh, it, the, it, I, it is so funny to me how many married people have the same arguments no matter where they live, how they were raised, whatever it is. It is just, it, and here is what, and I understand you're in 2023, that maybe I'm not supposed to say this. Maybe I, this is uh -oh. gender normative. I'm not sure. Maybe this is part of the patriarchy. I don't know. But well, there are 28,000 votes in this poll. Hundreds of responses. Why do you, what do you think? This is an honest question for you. Here is what I did not get one of. I, the husband, want it put away. But my wife wants it on the counter. What? what? No, I'm asking. That's an honest question. That is an honest question, which is, why was it unanimous that if there was a disagreement about where the toaster goes, it is the woman in the household that wants it put away and the man in the household that thinks this is ridiculous, it stays on the counter? Guys tend to care less than women. So, okay, so that's the answer. I think that's the right answer. I, but I could, and your mom. Because I don't think, I think a lot of, the, like, a lot of these people, like, don't actually care where it goes. They just don't want to put it away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't, I just think it, like you thought, and like your little sister thought, it's a plug-in device that is used regularly. Let's leave it plugged in. Your mom said it would be like leaving the waffle maker out. Which is just such a we make waffle we use the waffle maker once every two weeks if we're lucky, like it is. It's not a blender. It's not a waffle maker. It's not an air fryer. All those things I understand to be put away. It's the toaster, but evidently this is a conflict folks have been having for years in relationships. Who knew? All right, time for the first game, Dior. What are we doing? We're doing Nick Wright, public defender. So before we get to Nick Shadamas, there's someone who needs defending. NBA 2K player ranks were released and there are five players with a game-high 97 ranking. Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Luka, and LeBron. Nikola Jokic is the unquestionable number one player in the league, is somehow tied with a guy going into his age 39 season. Counselor, defender client, Nikola Jokic. Well... Your Honor, my client needs no defending. Even his most ardent critics in the media, such as Nick Wright, have conceded he has answered every question. And he does deserve to be called the best player in the league, even if some people believe it's Giannis. It, Jokic, is, my client, has earned the title. I would argue this is a cowardly ranking by NBA 2K. Five guys tied for the first spot is ridiculous. Now... I would also argue that even if one wanted to make a case for LeBron being grandfathered in there, the real issue is not with LeBron. It is not with Giannis. It is with Joel Embiid, MVP or not, having the same ranking as my client. Luka, even Luka, you can make a case for Actually, no. As much as I love Luka, 
Uh, and now I'm kind of waffling between characters here. As much as I, Nick Wright, love Luka, th this is how the NBA 2K ratings, I think, should have fallen. If I were doing it. These would be my ratings. Counselor? Yeah. Joel and Luka are not the ones on trial here. I understand. My client Jokic is on trial, but it's the... I, I, I understand that part of it, but... Yo, Relevant. my client, my client doesn't really need defending. My, it's NBA 2K that really should be on trial here. But I'm again breaking character. Stop! I'm breaking character, uh, in order to give a real answer here. Here's how the ratings should be: the NBA 2K ratings. Giannis and Joker should both be 98s. Steph should be a 96. LeBron should be a 96. Luka and Embiid should both be 94s. Durant and Booker should both be 93s. And I'm trying to see if there's anyone obvious I left out there. But I think that's about right. Giannis and Joker should be 98s. Steph and LeBron should be 96s. Luke and Embiid should be 94s. And Katie and Booker should be 93s. And you might say, Nick, how can you have LeBron ahead of Durant? I think even at 38, I think LeBron's more reliable. And I think LeBron showed that again this postseason. Uh, so, what's yeah. Your, what's your 2K rating for the toast argument? I mean, I obviously get a 99. I told Dan, I told your mom that I was going to put it on Twitter and I would get 80% support. And at last check... Let me go ahead and see where I'm at. We are we are 23,000 votes in and I'm at 78% support. So right right where I thought it would be. I and she was like, "Ah, oh, you have too many men following you." I knew I knew that's how it would shake out. All right. Uh and 85% of our chat evidently voted for me as well. All right, what game are we playing now? So now we're going to play a game of Nixtradamus, the game where the Oracle Nixtradamus predicts a future none of the rest of us can see. So Kyrie signed his extension in Dallas, and now they're tied to him long term. Nixtradamus, how long till he asks for another trade? I think probably this coming summer would be my guess. I mean, I don't, I just, I don't, I mean, Kyrie's numbers, here's what's unbelievable about Kyrie, and I said this on TV the other day, it takes real magic for someone to submarine their trade value and their value across the league the way Kyrie has, given the fact that since he left Boston, so the last four years for Kyrie, he's 27 five and six and one percentage point away over four years from being 50 40 90 
And yet, because of his lack of reliability, because of his lack of durability, because of his, call it, eccentric nature, he didn't have a market outside of Dallas, and I don't think they can, you know, they're not going to rely on him at all. So I would, I would imagine that he is potentially on the move again a year from now. All right, next. Okay. Your Slovenian son, Luca, finally got a ring. Nick Stranomis, will Nick Wright be getting an invite to the wedding? I mean, I obviously should. I don't think I will. You see that picture? That's a nice engagement photo. It's a heck of a dress by his fiancée. Uh, happy for Luca. What? What are you laughing about? What are you la- like? <laughs> like the way you said it sounded like you were being very sarcastic. Well, no, it's a, it's a, I mean, a heck of a I mean, it stands out. It's a unique look. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, here's the reason I guess I find the dress unique. Theoretically, she didn't know she was getting engaged that day. You understand what I mean? You realize that a lot of these things are usually set up and they usually. Like her family, let's dress up, let's go to brunch. I understand. Let's... I get that. But also, she probably also had some type of clue that this was happening. Well, I maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's just what she wears on a Saturday. I don't know. I'm not judging the young lady. It's just a no, bold... No, you're judging her. I'm not judging bit. her. It's just a bold outfit choice. I mean, Luca's wearing jeans and a white button-down. Uh... And so that's all I'm saying, but it's a very pretty picture, and I'm happy for him. I imagine, I, unfortunately, I will not be, uh, I will not be getting an invite to the wedding. All right, let's go on to the Dylan Brooks question. Okay, two of your favorite players are on the move. Pat Bev signed with the seven. Oh, hold on a second before we do that. I didn't get that at first. So. The, the the producers wrote in the chat a follow-up. Is Lucas selfish for making this day about himself? I didn't understand what they meant by that. But he did it on July 7th, which is 7 slash 7. And he wears number 77. I actually kind of like that. You know why? Because an engagement is about two people. This And the only thing I didn't love about that, I don't love the getting down on one knee thing. What? I don't love the getting down on one knee thing. That's really... Stupid to me. Why is that dumb? I think that's really... really I don't... Listen. I am not, you know, whatever wave feminist I would need to be in order to say women should propose as much as men. I don't believe that. I think that there are still some things that, you know, like the traditional ways about it is nice. And I think a man should propose to a woman. I like that. I don't like the getting down on one knee thing. I don't like it. dumb to me. Well, you know, can I tell you something that's funny? And this is what's funny about doing the show with you. I'm glad that you think it's dumb. And if and when you get engaged, I will be furious if the guy didn't get down on one knee to ask you. I will expect him to. But I just don't like doing it. I didn't do it. Yeah, I know you didn't. Yeah. And I said something to mommy when you didn't, too. Yeah, I know. She, uh, you were the first person to know I was getting engaged. Did you know that? I think so, yeah. That was a big risk because you were a blabbermouth. That is back not then. true. I that, could keep a secret when necessary. When Don't. necessary, barely. You were a blabbermouth when that happened. You were younger than Deanna is now. I know. Um, and me and Deanna are very different. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Um, But, uh, 
No, I think it's nice for Luca that he did it on his jersey number day. I like that. I actually like that for him. I just, there is an element of, gosh, is this You're deciding whether. So there's idea? an element of, I've heard other people say this, and I think they're correct, that in serious relationships, the man typically has a disproportionate amount of power while they're dating. And the woman, typically, has a disproportionate amount of power once they're married. That's how I think a lot of people have experienced things. Like, while you're dating, I don't want to say one person is in charge, but there is a power dynamic, and it typically skews on the guy's side. And then once you're married, it skews heavily to the woman's side, at least in a lot of people's experiences. And now, and this is now where I maybe will sound yeah, silly. Like I feel like there is a transformative uh, moment and almost a metaphorical shift once one person goes literally down on a knee and visually begs the I think other we person move to the next question. To spend their lives with them. I think that is like seeding. Any hand in the relationship. That's all. Just my yeah, take. That's all. That's, all right, next. Now we can go it. on to Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Two of your favorite players are on the move. Pat Bev signed with the 76ers, and Dylan Brooks broke the bank signing in Houston. Nick Stradamus, which future all NBA star will propel their team to a championship? Neither. Give me a wow. break. I mean, Pat Bev's on the league minimum and on his way out. Dylan Brooks's deal being four years, 86 million fully guaranteed is bananas, but there, I mean, that Rockets team is miles away. So the answer to that is neither. That one's very easy. Next. Okay. The woman's, yeah, the world went, wow. Okay. I'm just going to start. You all right? You want to start over? Go ahead. Keep going. The Women's World Cup starts July 6th on Fox. Megan Rapp. Rapino. Okay, well, July 6th, it definitely doesn't. That would have been five days ago. So what? when does it start on you Fox? See, my brain really just took a break there. Yeah, when does July it start? July 20th. I, I get that. 20th looks a lot like 6th. Go ahead. Starts on Fox. Megan Rapino. You want to just read it? Yeah, Megan Rapino announced she's retiring uh, after one last run. Nick Stramas, that's me. Will the USA dominate the World Cup or completely dominate it? No, the women's national team is our best team. And they're going to crush. All right, go ahead. Okay. Before Wimby suited up for the first time, he had a run-in with Britney Spears. Or rather, Britney Spears ran into Wimbenyama's security guard. Mm -hmm. Nick Stradamus, will Nick Wright give an opinion on this news story? Or is he too afraid of Britney's online fans? I'm not afraid of Britney's online fans, but I also don't think... I don't think either one of these people looks that bad. I don't get why anyone was being attacked here. Brittany ran up on him and tried to get his attention. I think and, there's just a lot of different stories going around. Well, I with, think like people like she thought she got hit in the face because she, she did she get hit. hit in the face. Well, here's the thing: <laughs> she did get hit in the face. Yeah, but she hit herself. Right, but I don't think she knew that. I think that she reached out and then felt a smack in her face, and then on the video we see what happened is she reaches out to touch him, the security hits her arm, her arm hits herself, and she thought she got smacked. 
So I don't, I don't blame his security. I don't blame her. I don't think there's any villains here. I did think it was funny that the Britney diehards were crushing Wimby for how he played in his first game. I thought that was funny, but I don't, I don't think anybody did anything wrong here. All right, last one. Meta launched a new social platform to compete with Twitter. It's basically Twitter, just less clunky and more polite. Nick Stradamus is Threads the next big thing. I don't know. I haven't signed up for it yet. I I might just go down with the ship on Twitter. Twitter is better. Why? Why it's, is it better? It's just like, it's easier to transfer over because you can immediately transfer over all of your followers, like who, who you're following on Instagram. You can automatically follow them all on threads if you want to, or you can just select who you want. And it's just less like... Toxic? No, I feel like it's going to get there eventually. It's just too fresh off for I, it to be too bad I, right now. I just, there's just too many. Because there's there's Blue Sky, there's Spill, there's all these like Twitter clones. Well, those you have to get invites to, so that's probably why. Um, there's all these Twitter clones and things, and I just, I, I don't want to start from scratch. I don't know, but this is why but I'm that's still thing, not you on don't TikTok. Have to start from scratch. That's what makes it better. But I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't signed up for it yet. I'm unsure if I'm gonna do it. I wish Twitter could get back to being functional, but you know it's it's clearly suffered some major setbacks over the last eighteen months. All right, well we will uh, read your guys' uh, listener questions next. Take a quick break. What's right? Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back in episode 164. Sorry about that. Uh, time now to read some listener questions. Dior, you want to go ahead? Okay. Peter Jacoby said, wait, what's the even, what's even the alternative to proposing without getting on a knee? I did mine, uh, in a booth at a restaurant. We're yeah. both sitting next to each other. Do better. What about just walking together, holding hands? That's and just grabbing like, the other person, turning them, looking deeply into their eyes, and saying how much uh, you love them and that you want to spend the rest of your life with them. I the I feel like proposing without getting down on one knee is low key disrespectful. So you think I was disrespectful to mommy? Yeah. Okay. I mean, she didn't love the proposal. She has said <laughs> this before, but I. I think it's nice and sweet or whatever, but you definitely should have gotten down on one knee. Uh, the way I did it, though, I had a, I, I, I had a whole. It wasn't nonchalant. I should I tell the story? No. I'm telling the story. No, I think I think you should get consent from the other party before you tell the story. I no, because I think I've told it publicly before. Oh, um, I knew I was gonna propose, and so I. I, for about three weeks prior to me proposing, (laughs) 
I look back on it. I still think it was good. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I would do some variation of, oh my gosh, Danielle, guess what? Some variation of it. And then she'd say what? And be like, nothing, just messing with you. And I did that again and again and again. And to the point to where when I would do it, she would have like a Pavlovian annoyed response of like, just stop. And then we went to our favorite restaurant and I had, you know, the restaurant knew I was going to do it. So they were like kind of prepared for after. And then I did. I said, oh my gosh, Danielle, guess what? She was like, stop. And I said, I want to marry you. And I showed her the ring. And she says now she didn't love it, but she instantly started sobbing. It was really great. So that's how I did it. I just said, I want, I, I guess I didn't even ask. I just said, I want to marry you. It was more of a declarative statement. All right, next. Um, John De La Cruz said, do you think Demonze will be a knee guy or do it like Nick? Demonze definitely be a knee guy. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Get down on one knee. A hundred percent. If he were to get engaged. I'm, there is no okay. doubt in my mind on it. Um, gosh, there's... Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> there's so many questions about this. What's Ben McDonald saying? He said, does it feel odd getting down on one... He said it did feel odd getting down on one knee when he did it. Yeah, it, that's. I have to imagine it's a weird thing. Yeah, you have to imagine because you didn't do it. Suavemente <laughs> says, uh, Nick said these pants are too fresh to take a knee. No, that's not it. Uh, what does CVM say? He said, I'd keep the toaster on the counter, but my girl won't let me. That's such a weird thing. It's such a weird thing. And, and I guess I can be firsthand, uh, proof. I, whether you do or don't cede the power by getting down on one knee, you still don't have enough power in order to... This is no, not a not, power dynamic yeah. thing. But it is. But it's absolutely not. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Take proposing out of it. Is there not, any? But it's is different. There, just wait a moment. Oh my God. Just wait a moment. Is there any situation in life where one person is down on bended knee in front of the other, where it is not clearly, it is not very clear who is in power Tying and who's out shoe. of power? Tying your shoe. No, but that's that's not it. Yes. Because I'm not talking to you. I'm telling you I'm on one knee. In Game of Thrones, they literally Game said... Game of Thrones! They literally <laughs> said, how do you show the other person's in power? Oh, I don't know. Bend the knee. That's literally in what it was called. Game of Thrones. My point Thrones. is it goes back to even ancient times or fantasy times. It is universally... You could be... In so, any me, nation in the world, oh my and God. if you see someone on bended knee in front of the other person, it's very clear who's in charge. But there's so many things that could be a power thing, but it's just not anymore like the way it used to be. Like what? Like, let's say mommy cooks you dinner. Mm -hmm. Are you are you going to be like, yeah, that's her job? It's like no, not. that's different. That's different. If I exactly, it's different. Yes. But what is not changed is that if oh one person God. is standing and the other person is on their knee in front of them asking them for something, it is clear who's in charge in that situation. It is. Don't, don't act like I'm wrong here. 
It's clear who's in charge. We'll have this debate later. I Because it's not a debate. No one has ever been like, hey, I'm the CEO of this company. And I need my vice president to do something for me. You know what I'm going to do? Go in their office and get on a bended knee and ask them to do it. That's not how it works. So it's just not. um, Oh, mm -hmm. you actually know one that I just thought of? What? You know when teachers are in a classroom and they bend over to speak to their students so they can be face-to-face with their students? Yes. When the student is sitting down, the teacher kneels down to be... Exactly. I'm moving on to the next question. Do you know why they do that? Because they recognize that when you are looking up at someone, that signifies that that person has power over you. And they are trying to show their kindergartners, no, we are equals. They are getting down on eye level with them because even they understand that if you're up looking, Um, can I go to the bathroom, Miss Thompson? That you're you're not in charge. I'm moving on. Okay, move on. Go ahead. Chico42 says, Demonze would have to wear real pants so he doesn't jack up his knees. Yeah, that's probably true. That's fair. Uh, L Diamond says, where do you keep the blender? In, in the, a cabinet. In the cabinet. Because it's used rarely. If it was used every single day, you would keep it on the counter. Yeah. But it's used rarely. That's why. Um, a lot of people agree with us on the toaster. Uh, Tony says, why is Nick trying to blend into the couch? Oh, because of the yellow? I didn't No, even... because you're wearing camouflage. It's like, oh, where are your clothes? Ha <laughs> ha Oh, is that what he meant? Yeah. I don't... Oh, I didn't think about that. I think this is the first... I don't even know if this actually is camo. It counts way. as camo, though. It's the same colors and everything. Okay. Um, Alright, well, you know, fun show. Not a lot of sports going on. So we talked some toasters and, you know, proposal... Uh etiquette and again i i understand the hypocrisy here because i will be horrified if whomever proposes to you is not on one knee but i'll also then be happy i'll be like oh now dior's in charge look at what they put on there that is a great image if you watch the show it's the game of thrones thrown with a toaster on it great job by our producers hope everyone enjoyed it on youtube i'll see i'm on i'm on with colin coward in about 90 minutes i'm on my show at three see you guys then what's right